Welcome to the What About series where we talk about therapy topics in a highly condensed and easily digested way. Our goal is to help the average person understand some of the more complex or misunderstood aspects of the mental health world. Let's get right into it. All right. Well, welcome to episode nine. Nine. Nine of the What About series. Today we're talking about DID, or otherwise known as Dissociative Identity Disorder. And the reason that we chose this topic is because I have, as of late, become obsessed with the new Disney Plus series, Moon Knight. And I think it's awesome. If anyone who's seen it, you know that the main character suffers from DID, uh, Dissociative Identity Disorder. And you get to see how that plays into his life. And I think it's a really cool adaptation of what that looks like. And it's very accurate from my understanding. I guess, disclaimer, we talked about this before we started the episode, that neither of us claim to know anything about DID like extensively no one does no one and no one should (laughs) because it is a highly complex mental disorder and we don't fully understand it the the research is hard to like to quantify I guess because it's really hard to understand yeah there's there's just not a whole lot of research on it anyway in the first place it's kind of more of a recent thing that we've been trying to understand Mm -hmm. the why behind it and the really still the what what is causing what it, it is and what's causing it and so, yeah, it's really interesting. And one thing that we need to just get out of the way right now is that disassociative identity disorder is otherwise known as multiple personality personality disorder. And some of you are probably like, oh. the same thing. Okay. Gotcha. I've heard of that before. I've never heard of DID. Yeah, so. I think uh, it was multiple personality disorder in the last edition of the DSM. So the DSM-4, I believe that's when it switched to the DSM-4 to the DSM-5. Yeah. I believe the name changed. Probably somewhere in there. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what year it was. I know it did change in the DSM, and that's why we saw, like, the the people still think of the multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Mainly because it's a cultural thing, too. Like, um, like I don't know, like a pop psychology, pop culture thing, that that's what people know it as. So it's the same thing, just by a different name. It's like autism autism spectrum disorder and, like, Asperger's. It's yeah. same thing, different name, <clears throat> different classifications, I guess. But yeah, it is go by that name, and it, it's a highly misunderstood and complex. Just mysterious, very mysterious, it is. very yeah. mysterious. Which is played out very well in the <clears throat> that show, and that's part of the reason why I want to talk about it today, because I wanted to learn more about it. But getting into the summary here, um, this comes from I believe this summary comes from psychiatry.org. But it says here that dissociative identity disorder, or as we're going to be calling it the rest of the episode, DID, to avoid any tongue twisters. DID is a form of dissociation, a mental process which produces a lack of connection in a person's thoughts, memories, feelings, actions, or a sense of identity. Dissociative identity disorder is a thought to stem from a combination of factors that may include trauma experienced by the person with the disorder. The dissociative aspect is thought to be a coping mechanism. The person literally shuts off or dissociates from themselves from a situation or experience that's too violent, traumatic, or painful to assimilate with their conscious self. So that's that kind of that summarizes pretty well what we're gonna be talking about today. That yeah. it's yeah. It's a literal dissociation from your from yourself into a different form. And Again, the reason I bring up Moon Knight so much is because I feel like it does so pretty well what that could look like. In a, and, of course, it's dramatized. It's a show. It's just a movie. It's an actor portraying it. But it can be very two very different people. 
and it's it's a form of dissociation to avoid an unwanted event and that's where it kind of gets foggy where i don't understand it but it's just a very severe form of dissociation which we see a lot of other mental disorders like um schizophrenia being the biggest one mm-hmm. where we see a lot of dissociation and delusion but multiple disorder personality or sorry there i am did <laughs> takes it a step further where there's a yeah. like a separate person or multiple people living within you yeah it's like we were talking about this before uh we started recording too but the movie split i've never seen it but austin has and he was telling me about it and the guy has like six personalities or something like yeah, it's, that it's more than it's more than five it's some, I think it's like more than five, less than seven, more than five, less than, <laughs> let's say more than five, less than 10. I think it, if okay. I had to guess, I think it's seven or eight. It's a lot. Okay. And, um, he switches in between them throughout the film and hmm. that's a good movie too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, we don't fully know exactly how this happens. If at all, we don't know how this actually happens, how the brain creates a different self creates multiple selves it's different with everyone and so to be frank we don't know and i'm sure if you tried to take a deep dive on research maybe you could find something on it but as of now i'm not we're not exactly sure yeah and i I guess i did want to point out that there are statistics we do know how many people have it it's it's a very low amount of people that actually get diagnosed with this and have the actual disorder itself i believe it's between 0.01% and 1% of the world population hmm. will actually end up being diagnosed with this at any given time like at right now in the world it's somewhere between 0.01 and 1% of the population so it's which, very very uncommon which is still quite a bit of people yeah it's in the grand scheme of 7 billion people that's still in the that'd be in the millions that's still people. a good amount yeah, I don't want to do the math right now because that's yeah. what I was doing earlier was math homework, and I don't want to do more of it. Bless but it's, it's still a lot of people. I believe it's more than um, uh, actual diagnosed gender dysphoria. I believe it, and so or around the same. I think gender dysphoria is also point zero one percent. Yeah, so it's around the same amount is um, like diagnosable gender dysphoria. I guess to give context, it's yeah. about the same. Yeah, and this had a big surge i think in the 80s might mm-hmm. have been the 70s where there were hundreds of people in every city in the united states that started to have these symptoms of did and yeah really interesting strange it's um, crazy <laughs> yeah so we're gonna jump right into the symptoms here so the symptoms Let's see. We got five of them here. So the first one, these aren't in any specific order. The first symptom is the existence of two or more distinct identities or personality states. The distinct identities are accompanied by changes in behavior, memory, and thinking. The signs and symptoms may be observed by others or reported by the individual. And I think, I mean, that's going to be the most important symptom, Mm -hmm. the symptom of DID is distinct identities and we'll go more into that as well as far as why and how but that's the first symptom there and the second one we see here is an our ongoing gaps in memory about everyday events personal information and or past traumatic events and with the ongoing gaps in memory about everyday events i believe that's 
due to the fact that you might switch into a like from the home personality i think that's yeah. what it's called due to any type of trigger you might transfer into another personality again i don't know how that works or the proper verbiage for it it's such a complex thing yeah that's an <clears throat> like a, any given day you wake up but you're the, one of the other personalities instead of your home personality and you go through that day living as that personality and then you wake up from that personality and have a, me- a gap in memory yeah. And I believe that's where it comes from is the gaps in memories come from living in the state of a different personality. That's not the home mm-hmm. personality mm-hmm. or the, in, the personality in charge. There's a, there's a specific term for it. Can't remember what it is at this time. Maybe I can look it up here, but, um, ongoing mem- gap, me- ongoing gaps in memory is a huge symptom as well yeah. that goes specifically with DID. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I go over this. You can look that up. <laughs> yeah. The next one here is symptoms cause significant distress or problems in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. And this is a symptom and part of the diagnosis for really any mental health disorder. In order for you to it to be actually diagnosed, it needs to be causing distress in your life in one aspect or another. Now, I'm not finding it right now, so maybe we can come back to that later. Um Next symptoms, though, you're going to see the common symptoms that you'll find with other mental health disorders or struggles. Anxiety and depression are very common, and that's not necessarily a symptom, but more of a result of the, um, it's like a byproduct of the disorder itself. If you were to have multiple personalities in a series of past traumatic events, Mm -hmm. you're going to have anxiety, you're going to have Mm -hmm. depression, and substance abuse is also very common within people that are diagnosed with, uh, diagnosed with DID. So that's another common thing. Again, is a byproduct and not necessarily a, a symptom of the disorder. Yeah. Now the last symptom here that we're going to cover is, uh, are suicidal thoughts or feelings. Now here's a really intense statistic. So more than 70% of those with DID have attempted suicide and that's really sad and that's really heavy. Um, but that's the reality. I mean, because I can't, if you try, just put yourself in their shoes, right? This is the same thing with anything. If someone is going through something, put yourself in their shoes. And I can't even imagine living, okay, but you can't remember living. Kind of weird. Yeah. You know, you go through events, you go through your day, you have experiences, and depending on the personality that's present you may not remember anything and i just can't imagine how frustrating that would be and just how and scary Mm -hmm. i mean you could wake up in a place that you have no idea where you are yeah and so yeah i think that's a really sad i think that's a, a symptom or a like a feeling that's portrayed really well in the moon night show. It's obviously dramatizing a lot of it and it's about Egyptian like mythology, but there are certain aspects of the show that really show the humanity of someone who suffers with this disorder. There's one scene where he, he's at work and a girl comes up to him and says, I'm so excited about our date tomorrow, right? Seven o'clock at the steakhouse. And he's like, Oh yeah. Um, see you there. He obviously didn't remember that one of the other personalities set up the date. And, and then one of his coworkers comes up and says, you're a vegan. Like, what are you going to order at a steakhouse? And he's like, I, don't remember asking her to go to a steakhouse. Maybe I'll just get a salad. And then a couple of days, well, 
the day was supposed to be the next day and then he wakes up what he thinks is the next day and he goes to the steakhouse and he sits down and his date never shows up and he thinks he got stood up and um he calls his date and says like where are you i'm here at the steakhouse like i've been here for an hour she's like well i was there two days ago for three hours waiting for you oh my gosh and he just gets really depressed and he orders a steak even though he's a vegan and good for him yeah he's eating his steak (laughs) and he gets really really depressed over that moment yeah and so i think just kind of playing into how annoying and how frustrating that might be to have these gaps in your memory and this inability to it's like a total lack of stability in your life even in your base like who you are as a person that must be really frustrating and for 70% of people to attempt suicide doesn't surprise me. As haunting as that is, it doesn't surprise me. Right. I mean, you can see why they'd say, I might as well not be alive. If I don't even know what I'm doing, who I'm talking to and the memories I'm making. Yeah. And that should be like the number one thing you do have is who you are as a person. No one can take that away from you, but your brain is taking it away from yourself. Yeah. Which is a very sad reality (laughs) for the the people that struggle with this. But, um, yeah, so going into the risk factors now, we, the risk factors are pretty, um, common with other disorders, I guess, but what specifically with DID is a history of trauma is very specifically important to this disorder, uh, because a study has found that about 90% of people with DID were physically and or sexually abused as children. And that kind of goes back to the, how DID, the, the split personalities, the multiple personalities, is a coping mechanism because of the past tra- traumatic events. Yeah, and that's what um, I was going to say here. The The origins of disassociative disorders, in like disassociative disorders in general, not just uh, DID, is that they are the direct result of exposure to traumatic experiences called the post-traumatic model. So according to the PTM, or post-traumatic model, Disassociative symptoms can best be understood as mental strategies to cope with or avoid the impact of highly aversive experiences. Now, Austin and I again were talking about this before the episode and just thinking how or why. And as far as the how goes, I don't know. Like, I don't know how the brain's going to split your personality, split who you are and form a new self which is interesting, but also the why behind it. And I mean, it it makes sense Mm -hmm. because if you're going through a traumatic experience and Azuko's going through a bag right now, (laughs) but when you go through a traumatic experience, your brain is going to do all it can to protect you and to really make sure you don't remember that experience. And you have experiences or things like PTSD where a symptom of PTSD is you can't remember the event that happened because your brain's simply trying to protect you because that what you went through or that thought, that memory can cause harm. Mm-hmm. And so it literally shuts it out, turns or it off. Or alters it. Or, yeah. yeah, alters it, does a whole bunch of things. But with DID, it literally creates your brain creates a separate self with separate thoughts memories actions feelings i mean it's still you but it's not you which is weird and kind of i don't know Mm mind-blowing in a sense and so that's really all we know as far as risk risk factors go yeah 
and which is like with what we've been able to find that's really the only risk factor slash cause of did is a heavy amount of sexual abuse or physical abuse as children yeah it's and that's common among among a lot of disorders but that that can be it's interesting how it can be characterized specifically with the id that that's like the number one cause of it so yeah and i'm sure there's because i mean you know everyone that goes through traumatic experiences they don't all get did Mm -hmm. so there's got to be some predisposition genetically for it yeah you know so that can be definitely a risk factor genetics considering that the the relatively small amount of people that actually develop it. Right. And so yeah. there's got to be some type of abnormal or rare genetic code or gene that you get that just predisposes you for that type of brain formation that allows yeah. that to happen. Yeah. And so, and we don't know that that's speculation, of course, but I would assume that's the case for a lot of disorders, but... Right, I would, I would assume, assume so. I would assume so as well. I mean, taking it again with the biopsychosocial model, mm-hmm. it probably plays a role. could be a very small amount Yeah. as far as the biological side. Or it could play a big amount, mm-hmm. depending on the individual. Yeah, but that's important. Yeah. yeah, important to remember the the total approach towards a person's development and all three aspects of that model. Yeah, shows the importance of not focusing on too much on one thing. We've talked about a lot right. in this podcast <laughs> before. Um, but getting into the diagnosis now, of course, this uh, this comes straight from the DSM five, like we do with a lot of these. What about series? But the DSM-5 does give us the following diagnostic criteria to properly diagnose this disorder. And the first one is the disruption of identity characterized by two or more distinct personality states marked by the discontinuity in the sense of self and agency and accompanied by the related alterations in affect, behavior, consciousness, memory, perception, cognition, and or sensor motor functioning. So breaking that down more simply that there's a the two more personalities are causing a disruption in your memory perception or overall cognitive functions yeah next year we have recurrent gaps in the recall of everyday events important personal information and or traumatic events that are inconsistent with ordinary forgetting so it's not just oh i forgot it's you forget i mean important details that no one really forgets like oh i forgot my wedding day i forgot i was married that's a that's yeah. a big one with that that moon night show he doesn't really know that he's married okay. he, he gets a call from his wife and like i didn't know that i was married okay and, yeah um yeah so things that are inconsistent with just your regular forgetting yeah like uh, no matter what happens to me i'm not going to forget that i'm married yeah you don't I mean, forget that you know heaven forbid date, unless yeah. i hit my brain, hit my head hard enough yeah, and forget. But and I guess that brings up another good point that they're going to rule out. I think we talk about this in one of the diagnosed <clears> criteria <throat> the other things are ruled out like amnesia and like mm. brain injuries, yeah. traumatic yeah. brain injuries, things like that. Um, third diagnostic criteria is that the symptoms cause clinically significant distress or an impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And that's with most disorders that the clinician or practitioner is going to go through a certain set of criteria to find out is this causing distress in your life is it dangerous is it dysfunctional or is it uh i can't remember the fourth d right now but there's like a f- the four d's of diagnostic criteria when it comes to abnormal psychology and a clinician or therapist is going to go through those to see if it's this issue is causing significant problems in your life yeah because if it's not i mean 
then go you. Yeah, like that's you're, interesting. You're not having any issues. Yeah. Interesting human. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't need treatment if you have a good, healthy life. Yeah. yeah, right. So next here, the disturbance is not a normal part of a broadly accepted cultural or religious practice. Note, in children, the symptoms are not better explained by imaginary playmates or other fantasy play. So it's not just... So number one, it's not a normal part of the culture of... Um, religion, religious practice. Because, I mean, I don't know. Someone who, let's say they're in the Bible Belt in Kansas or Missouri, they're out there and they have their good old Christian folk, someone with the gift of tongues mm-hmm. who starts yelling and saying things. They might say, oh my gosh, they might have a DID. Yeah. God forbid. Take them in. <laughs> but... That was just because of a, a religious practice. Yeah, it's important. And there's a lot of cultures around the world that I believe in Native American cultures, I think like possession and things of that nature are right, quite yeah. common and like rituals and things like that. Like they're so, on some peyote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're, and I guess that, that points to the next <clears throat> diagnostic criteria yeah. is that the symptoms cannot be attributable to some types of, of the physiological effects of a substance. And so yeah. if you're on LSD, you're taking a lot of psilocybin, mushrooms, acid, probably even marijuana, things like that, that could cause like a psychoactive dissociative state. Um, the, the clinician's going to make sure you're not token every day on acid <laughs> or a significant amount of THC because that, again, it's not DID if you're just high all the time on shrooms or other hallucinogens mm-hmm. because that could probably cause some DID-like symptoms to always be on shrooms. Every weekend you're getting super high on mushrooms and it causes yeah. the dissociative states of multiple personalities. You got your high self and your sober self. Yeah, exactly. Like the high yeah. self is that's two different personalities, but that's not DID. That's just a substance abuse disorder. So it's <laughs> yeah. important to, that's a, that's a big thing that a clinician's going to rule out, I guess that'd be the, yeah. the term. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So, okay. Now we're moving on to treatment. So for treatment, therapy has been found to be the most effective And the following is what is most commonly found in DID treatment as far as therapy goes. So you have identifying and working through past trauma or abuse. So things like EMDR Mm -hmm. we've talked about. Uh, My wife does what's called, oh gosh, I don't want to get it wrong. (laughs) I think it's IPT, the Integrative Processing Technique processive processing technique anyway she was on on the episode on the podcast a couple not a couple quite some time ago (laughs) i was gonna say a couple episodes ago quite some time ago maybe we gotta have her on again to talk about it but that's really a great tool to talk about trauma and to work through it so you have tools to work through trauma and you have managing sudden behavioral changes and then you have merging separate identities into a single identity how i don't know i'm not i'm not a professional in that Same. when it yeah, comes to did i don't know i mean that's what psychiatry.org said that that's what therapists do it didn't elaborate but i'm sure it's extensive and i'm sure it's a i'd say complex to try to yeah. merge those into one i would be very curious to see what that looks like i was about to say i want to see someone do it i want to see what it looks like maybe we'll have to elaborate that on a future episode maybe do like a part two sometime in the future yeah after we've looked into this a little bit more because i 
I can't even imagine what that would look like. Me either. Honestly. Maybe you talk to it, like the other personalities, and get them to come out. Yeah, and I guess going off of the silly evidence from the movies, what they do in Split is the... I believe it's like a like a clinical psychologist, like doctor, who's talking with this person. He asks the individual, can I speak with blank? Hmm. Can I speak yeah. with this personality? Can I speak with this personality? And she'll ask, who is in charge right now? And because different personalities can be in charge and you can yeah. completely lose sense of who you originally were. That's like another thing, I guess. I don't know if that's just the movie or if that's real. I, I feel like but... I've seen that too. I think it was in another movie or something. It was because they asked, who am I talking to right now? And like they would ask permission to speak to other personalities. But again, that was a movie. Yes. Unless I saw it in real life. I don't know. No. Been yeah, this is something we're gonna have to definitely do a lot of more research into. Yeah. But I would assume that it's um a lot of, a lot of talk therapy. Right, to, I can't, um, can't imagine it'd be too much different than that. Yeah, like, what else are you gonna do? You know. Yeah, this is something I'm definitely gonna look into more because I, like I said, I can't even fathom what that would look like in a clinical setting. So yeah, I'm sure it's not that complex. But I'm sure it's specific. Yeah. Anywho, uh, we always talk about medication when it comes to different treatments and different treatment options there is no medication that specifically treats did but other psychotropic medications may be prescribed to control the symptoms of anxiety or depression yeah maybe some type of antipsychotic or mood stabilizer to like we, like we always talk about to raise your emotional baseline or to stabilize you or i know a lot of clinicians psychiatrists psychologists will prescribe some type of sleeping medication to make sure that you're sleeping properly to make sure that just overall your baseline is good so you can come to therapy and properly work on yourself. Yeah. And so in that dosage yeah. has to be low enough to where you're still motivated, but also high enough to where you're stable. So that's yeah. like a middle ground where the, and this is something that we, we might talk about in the future and something I'm learning more about that there needs to be more like a teamwork effort when it comes to psychiatrists and therapists. Right. And some, some therapists, especially those with doctoral degrees and have done medical residency, can actually prescribe medication. And so, like a one-stop shop type of thing. But most people go to a psychiatrist and a therapist or a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And you do both treatments at the same time. And then, from my understanding, there's not a whole lot of, um, like, communication communication or correlation in the types of treatment yeah. that are given. Maybe the psychiatrist is, psychiatrist is giving way too high of a dose and it's affecting the person's stability and it makes therapy harder. Or it's way too low and it's making therapy harder. <laughs> because the goal yeah. should be um, effective therapy. And from my personal perspective and opinion, that the goal should be effective personal talk therapy or psychotherapy. Right. I and, mean, would um, you want to be uh, dependent on medication your whole life? Exactly. Or yeah. would you rather be able to do your best to not necessarily control it, but to be able to live your life with it? outside of medications yeah and the medications like it's like we just said are this there to um control the byproducts control the other symptoms because there's no antipsychotic that specifically goes into the brain and treats the imbalances that create the multiple proportionalities there's how there is medications for schizophrenia that can help with delusions and mm -hmm. things like that. There's not anything really like that as of yet. Maybe there will be in the future. Medicine's, yeah, that'd be wild. Medicine's amazing. Scientific yeah. science is crazy. How these miracle drugs we get all the time. So maybe we'll see that in the future, and that might help treatment a lot. But as of right now, it's really medications to treat the byproduct symptoms, and then get the therapy you need to 
merge those identities, which <laughs> again, we don't know how that works. Yeah. Yeah. But we do know it's possible. Yes. That's the important part. Yeah. It doesn't matter how. And if you are someone by chance who does have DID and you don't know or you doubt that there's ever going to be help for you or that you can get uh, you know, the help you need, the treatment you need to heal yourself, you can. It's been done before and it's done every day, mm-hmm. really. And so it's possible. That's all we need to know here. And again, you are worth it. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, what you will do, what you're doing. You're worth it. Okay, your worth is always 110%. It's always there. You are always worthy. Your worth is... Incalculable. Incalculable. Yeah. It's a good word. Yeah. It's a Google. It's a Google. It's unfathomable. Fathomable. <laughs> yeah. But you're awesome. And thank you for listening. If you made it this far, you're the best. Absolutely. It's people like you that we keep doing this for. You listening right now. You know who you are. Because you're hearing these words. (laughs) Uh, No, but really, thank you very much. And we hope you learned something new this week. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Have a good one. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy?